Welcome back to, or welcome to, Conspiracy What. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Roswell and that whole incident. Uh, I'm one of the hosts, Cameron. I'm Allie. And uh, Roswell is the famous crash that happened in 1947. It happened in Roswell, New Mexico. It happened to a rancher who lived in the area. The main thing is that it's like one of the first UFO crash reportings. Like one of the biggest ones, at least, in the world. I'm pretty sure it's like the OG. So like this in 1947 was about the time that people had started with the UFO craze. And I think we talked about the origins in our Men in Black episode, right? Where the guy, I think his name was Albert something, the first guy to coin the term flying saucer or whatever it was. Yeah, it was it was in our Hollow Earth episode. So the original reporting came from a pilot who saw it and then he worked with a man named Ray Palmer, which is what we talked about in our Hollow Earth episode. The amazing stories or whatever that was guy. he's the publisher of those stories richard shaver wrote those stories ray palmer was like his agent basically but ray palmer came in after the first ufo sightings and he said no you didn't see that you saw discs or you saw uh saucers is basically he changed what the guy saw uh the guy did see objects he just didn't see necessarily flat saucers that was changed but anyway cool. <laughs> now that we've got that that out of the talking way talking about roswell today <laughs> So, basic story, there's this this rancher or farmer, you know, a couple hours outside of Roswell, even further into middle of nowhere land, and during a severe thunderstorm one night, I heard it described in one thing we watched as, he heard a sound that he knew was not thunder, but sounded like thunder. So, he like... Went out to sea, didn't see anything. And then in the morning when he and his son were checking on cattle, he found a large area of debris that was like weird materials that he had never seen before. There was weird metallic material and they, it was like undamageable, but it was really thin and really lightweight. And so they tried to rip it. They tried to cut it. They tried, I mean, it couldn't change (laughs) so the main part of the whole crash the whole problem was that the the metal sheets like like you were saying ali they were like it was impossible to reform them into anything they would just form right back uh oh you mean like like so it looked like foil it looked like so you think you could like crumple it up and it would stay in a crumpled little ball but then it would just like bounce right back to flat Right. And you couldn't tear it. They hit it with a hammer, they said, and it didn't break or dent. It would just go right back to its shape. Uh, So it was a very, very strange metal. It's not something people saw in the 40s. (laughs) So they say. The one lady said, you know, we didn't have... She also talked about... So one of the other pieces was plastic poles or metal poles. They were described as metal poles. But I think they were just painted metallic, but they were... The lady, one of the ladies that they interview in one of the documentaries we watched, uh, she talks about how they were... Plastic is how she would describe them now, but they didn't have that at the time. Plastic was invented in 1907 or 1911, something like that. They would have had them for at least 40, 30 years. 
So plastic Maybe was definitely Maybe out of nowhere, they didn't have plastic. <laughs> well, I mean, it was mass-produced the same year it was created. So it, it's been around for a while. So plastic was definitely around. Uh, it probably is just because they were in a tiny, tiny town. Roswell, if you've never been, is still tiny. It hasn't grown. But these, these poles were described as, like, definitely metallic in look and feel, but then you could, like, they were flexible. You could bend Slightly. them. Slightly, not like you could just like rubber, but yeah. they were, they were definitely like a soft plasticky type of form. Uh, the weirdness that comes from the plastic poles, though, is the strange markings and symbols that were on them. Yeah, the the farmer guy didn't actually see those when he was out there. I don't know if we said his name. His name is Mac Brazel. Oh yeah, Mac Brazel. <laughs> He's not just the farmer guy. We know who he is, but Brazel didn't see that. He went and like after actually like a few days of this stuff being in like out on his fields he took it to the sheriff it was only one day so he like he found it and i've then, seen like a couple timelines at this point i mean where... the most consistent thing i've seen is that he found it he brought it to the local townsfolk the same day that he found it like one of his friends where they beat it with a hammer and tried to cut it and all these different <laughs> things and then science uh he then the next day took it to the sheriff who then took it to a u.s official in the military in the, in the air force in the air force base in roswell which is no longer something that exists that was shut down years ago yeah but like i think it was the sheriff who also brought it home before he brought it to the air force and so it was like he and his son that were like looking at it and his son noticed the weird like some people describe it as hieroglyphics but they were more geometric or something. Yeah, it was a set of geometric shapes going across the poles in a line. It's very similar to hieroglyphics, uh, where it's just like images, but these are just, I mean, they're just geometric shapes. They're like, it was like polygons and circles and triangles is how it's basically described in different orders going along. It's a nice alien design. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I mean, it looks like a language with the way they described it and the way they showed it. But it is really interesting because they, there was never, one thing I will say, out of everything that we found, is I never did find an explanation for why there are markings and symbols on the poles. I did. Oh, you did? Okay. Should I talk about that now? Oh, I mean, if you found a theory, I'm saying I never found, like, a government explanation. I don't know. I think this was equally as hilarious because it's on the other side of conspiracies. I found it in Skeptic Magazine. Oh. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know if any of this is true. Mostly because, I, I don't know, I feel like with the people who are, like, hardcore skeptics, because, like, you and I are skeptics. But, like, we're willing to take in the information on both sides of the argument. Well, that's what skeptics should be. I know, but yeah. Skeptic Magazine is like, this is all bullshit. <laughs> and so their argument, of course, what's the argument for aliens, Cameron? Every time we see a UFO. Weather balloons. Weather balloons. But this magazine, um, we'll talk about it later, but it, it brought up a, a classified at the time project called Project Mogul. And they said that in order to make these weather balloons easily visible by radar uh they were metallic painted material which is what we already talked about and then like the poles they used what did they say oh they said the balloons were manufactured by a toy company to make them more visible so they were colorful and the poles were covered in like you know that kids tape with the designs on it like little flowers and colorful things yeah they claimed that that's what that was and then in the crash it was like disfigured design-wise somehow it doesn't make any sense because there was no fire there was nothing but like a rainstorm 
which wouldn't necessarily ruin tape. But the kid that I talked about who noticed the hieroglyphics, he said it looked more like embossed into the metal, not like designs painted on tape. So I, I found an explanation, but it's a dumb explanation. <laughs> yeah, well, I never found what I was talking about is the government has their own responses to this multiple times throughout the years, throughout the last They're all kind of years. And they're, yeah, I mean, they never talk about the markings. Not no. once did they ever bring up the markings. They never talked about what it was for. It was never even officially now talked that it's, about. Even now that it's been, like, documents have been officially released under the Freedom of Information Act, they still haven't said anything about it. So, who knows what those markings were for? Well, there's a lot of things they haven't mentioned, which is part of the weirdness. The weirdness pizza here. Yeah, I mean, the markings are just the biggest one to me because that's something that's not really intuitive for anybody. I mean, it's hard. Like that skeptic thing basically said, you can only come up with stupid theories because there's no other theory. I've never found anything else that said that, like, whatever weather balloons for that project were manufactured by a toy company to make them brightly colored. That's silly. Yeah. Like we said, the government was, uh, they were alerted basically the next day. Uh, They came out within a few days of it happening. The sheriff brought the debris to the Air Force. He brought a piece of it. Yeah. He yeah. didn't bring, like, all of the debris. Well, no. Yeah. He brought, like, a piece <laughs> of the debris. And that's when the Air Force went out and banged it on it with hammers and was like, this is nothing we've seen before. Then they ended up confiscating all of it that they could find and bringing it back to their base. At the same time, what witnesses claim is that they were told not to talk about it. And I guess people had seen... Specifically, Brazel being carted around by the authorities, basically, and unwilling to talk to people. He was part of the confiscated material. They took him to the Air (laughs) Force Base, and they actually didn't release him for what was described as, like, several days to even maybe a week or more. Like, he, he was there for some unknown period of time. But he... So he wasn't able to say anything to the public beyond what... The U.S. let him once he was taken. And then they also kind of challenged witnesses on what they saw, telling them not to say anything, telling them... More like you didn't see anything. You didn't see anything is what the witnesses claim. They said threatening them with like batons and things like that. And then the government finally released a statement on it uh, sometime after, which was that it was not one of their devices, basically. Well, it, it said in the initial, the very initial report, that it was not of this earth. Too. It was a yeah. It was a UFO. Basically, is what they said. It was an extraterrestrial craft. And they didn't all that specifically kind of say extraterrestrial. But it was like one day that they they like the Air Force released this report that said that this is none of our stuff. This is not of this world. These are strange things that we've found, you know, and it was a, I think they even said we have confiscated a flying disc or flying saucer. Saucer or disc? Saucer is the term used at the time. Yeah, flying saucer. Uh, But yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those, it's one of those situations where they, they said this and then they retcon it. I don't know if it was days later. Oh, it, was a, it was the next day. Next day. Okay, that's It was really the day after, which is why it was so weird. Right. And then they were all like, yeah, no, it's a weather balloon. Here's a picture of a guy holding the pieces to show you. Obviously, it's a weather balloon. Right. And 
I don't know. Like, like you said before, some of the pieces in the pictures are like perfectly square, like pieces of the the weird metallic-ish material. Yeah, even though they couldn't be cut or anything like that. So them claiming that it's a balloon, a balloon at that time was actually just a draped object that then connected at multiple points. Wasn't it, wasn't it more like rubber? Usually, I think like a was, weather balloon. I think they described it as something like that. It was a lot different like than what latex. we have now. Completely different than what we have now. And it it just wasn't the same. Like, you wouldn't build it in the same way. So for it to be a weather balloon, I don't know why you'd build it out of sheets of flexible metal that are all squares that you would then have to glue or patch together. But then again, yeah. they did say there was a lot of duct tape, too. So it's possible <laughs> that they just wrapped the thing in a ton of duct tape, and that's why it crashed and exploded Janky in the rigs. first place. I mean, it, it is possible that that's what happened with this high-level, multi, you know, I assume hundreds of thousands of dollars in that time project for the military, duct tape and square pieces of something. That still doesn't really make sense for a weather balloon, because it should be able to withstand the weather, which is what it didn't withstand when it crashed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, weather balloons crash. It does happen. It, According to the UFO skeptics, it happens a lot. But yeah, it's it's a really interesting thing that they just kind of, they came out with a statement and then immediately retconned it and then they basically said that nothing really important happened and that no one need to worry about it and pretty much everybody needs to shut up and leave it alone. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's basically what they wanted and they kind of battled with that for the next several years because this was never put to rest, still isn't put to rest, but even, I mean, especially like in the early 50s was when it was at its peak for the government because they were trying to cover something up and nobody really knew what and this was proven with the whole idea of it's a ufo it's not a ufo and the guy who released the report on the ufo he was interviewed and what he said was that he actually didn't know anything about it he was just told by a commanding officer oh yeah to say it's a ufo and he was all like you know you don't question things like that <laughs> yeah i mean you don't question your commanding officer he said in the military then i mean you still don't do it now not in the military but he so he actually even though he released the statement he didn't have anything to do with it really he just was kind of a mouthpiece for the government at that mm -hmm. point so well, and he he was also the one that delivered it to like the local um like the local roswell news so that it could get out to the town it wasn't just an official Air Force release. So this this next part, I'm confused as to when in the timeline this happened. And I think a lot of people are because a lot of times they combine these two things into one. So I'm sure a lot of a lot of you listeners out there have watched X Files, and this is just exactly what I remember from that episode about Roswell where they, they have the crashed spaceship, you know, the ship, not just like little bits of metal debris and things, and then the story about there being four dead alien bodies laying around it. Now, I don't know when this happens in comparison to when the debris falls in the guy's ranch. When you look it up, it comes up as multiple years. Yeah. Sometimes it comes up as this happened around the same time as Roswell, which the government heavily disputes. Uh, they've actually put out an official report disputing that idea. And other times it come it people say that it happened in like the fifties. So Well like so something that happened with all of these these like this incident 
it wasn't really like a widespread, like a national story that people knew about until about the 70s, I think it was 1978, when this guy decided to go and like interview people about it. He was an astrophysicist and he made a document a documentary called UFOs are real. Great title. <laughs> and that was released in the early 80s. And so that was really the first time that people were actually like really widespread told about the Roswell incident. And that's like when it blew up. Shortly after that, um, Unsolved Mysteries did an episode on it too. Which, if you've seen that show, that's been around forever. That started in 1987, I think, or 88. Yeah, and this was in season one, right? Yeah. Or it was in season two. nineteen. The 1989 series is what this was in. Okay. So, Unsolved Mysteries did an episode on it, and it's one of those shows where you, where they talk about mysteries, but I thought it was interesting that they did this. And this was, like, the second or third time that Roswell was really, like, delved into on TV. And they, the way they tell this part of the story, so the, the farm incident happened, and then shortly after, like, it felt like a couple weeks that they were explaining it. There was some guy in the town who was driving on a road, and he happened to see something weird off the side of the road. So he, he pulled off the side of the road to go investigate, and he saw, like, a flying saucer and, like, four dead little alien bodies. And then at the same time, I guess a group of archaeology students came by to investigate. So, like, that story implies that there's, like, seven-ish witnesses. Yeah, and a lot of times that happens, again, like with the confusing timeline, is people will say, like, and while the Roswell crash thing was being discovered on the other side of town, blah, blah, blah was happening. Again, the government doesn't dispute the story completely, but they do say that it definitely would not have happened on the same day as the Roswell crash. Yeah. And there's a reason for that that we'll talk about, but... And then some people just combine the two incidents because the the part with the ship and the aliens sometimes is is combined and so then the people are like oh it crashed on the guy's farm yeah the yeah the alien definitely didn't happen on his like, farm it, it definitely didn't happen with mac brazel at all no and the just the alien part is not reported on that's not the part that people talk about they're like oh it was just a bunch of debris on some dude's ranch but there's also other testimonies that say people saw the alien stuff not just little bits of metal <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Which is a very different thing. So I guess, you know, obviously the, the Air Force and the government cordoned this, whatever this area was, off and took all the evidence and made anybody who saw it the same thing as before not talk about it. You didn't see anything, the whole the whole shtick all over again. Yeah, the, the government took the took everything, whatever was there. And I guess there was a lot of stories about where they took it. So some people were saying that they carted it all off to separate Air Force bases. They hid some of it in the Roswell Air Force Base. I heard a lot of talk about Texas. Yeah, there was, so there were a lot of reports. Uh, they, so one of the places they supposedly took it is one officer specifically in the Texas Air Force Base claims that that same day that the original report came out of bodies being found in New Mexico oh. around a ship, he saw them carting a few bodies, not all of them, into a Texas Air Force base. Meanwhile, one of the guys at the Roswell Air Force Base says that he 
remembers them keeping them stored stored nearby. Nobody was allowed to go near them. And then they eventually came in, uh, top officials eventually came in, and they brought them to Area 51, or what was going to, you know, to a secret base that's now assumed to be Area 51, yeah. since the government wouldn't confirm that that existed. Yeah, that, that wasn't confirmed until, what, 2006? That Area 51 existed? 2006. The government didn't say for sure that it existed until then, and then they didn't tell what anybody what it was for. The CIA finally did in 2013, but... Okay. Yeah. So, like, it definitely was not a thing in the 40s. But I think that's that's the thing that most people really want to think about with the Roswell incident is the the spaceship crash and the dead alien bodies. In my research, I remembered, do you remember something that came out um, probably when we were in like middle school or maybe high school, the alien autopsy video? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the (laughs) the Roswell alien autopsy video. It looked completely fake. They put that, I think, in X-Files as like... The evidence. Yeah. It wasn't proven fake for a while. But, like, there is apparently, like, a a development on the story that Area 51 did alien autopsies or whatever on these bodies. And that's where that comes from. But it just just makes me laugh because I remember when that came out. It's, like, a 17-minute video done by some British comedian, actually, who is just... It's supposed to be evidence of, like, the Roswell aliens having an autopsy. But it's not real. <laughs> yeah, no, that one's not real. Who knows? Maybe it actually happened, but I the mean, video's not real. They do claim that the like conspiracy theorists do claim that they were autopsying these aliens and they were actually testing the effects of like crashes and stuff, basically using these aliens as their guinea pigs, and they were testing new equipment on the on them. That's one of the more out there theories for this whole thing. Well, part of the story with the alien autopsy video, apparently, originally, the guy said. That no, the video is not real, but I saw the tapes and I reenacted it because the tapes were fading and unwatchable now. But that, you know, that was disputed later. <laughs> and also, alternatively, in 2012, there was another case of supposed evidence of Area 51 alien autopsying and finding dead bodies, where this guy had come across a few slide photographs of the alien bodies in Area 51. Supposedly. He just didn't know specifically where they were from. He bought them from someone who told him that they were... I meant supposedly from Area 51. Oh, yeah. I mean, he he at the time very much believed it. Uh, They ended up selling tickets, I think, for people to see it. He and a friend of his, who he also dragged into this, uh, it eventually came out once the... I think it was the national... It was like a national UFO investigation... Uh, some type of committee like that. They one of those. One of the many. <laughs> they ended up looking at it, and they were able to take away the blurriness from the picture a little bit, and they were able to take out some of the brightness and read a little plaque that was right next to the body to reveal that it was actually a mummified. It was the mummified remains of a human of a very very small human <laughs> from Colorado. From a museum in Colorado, so yeah, it was pretty sad. <laughs> it's very, very unfortunate. They were both duped, and they were super duped. Yeah, to make a long part story the, short, they were just duped. Part of the story there, the reason why they believed it so hard, is that the person that they bought them from found the slides 
in some like really old lady's house who had passed away so she was like tasked with cleaning out the house and so she went through the slides at one point and saw pictures of like Eisenhower and things from like the late 40s early 50s and so then they just kind of made the assumption that the creepy little alien looking thing at the end of this set of slides was an alien they were very wrong <laughs> yeah so one of the biggest things that came out of our understanding of what was going on in Roswell around the time is the claims of Project Mogul, which the government claims is a spy balloon project, basically. <laughs> this uh, sounds so funny This came out me. in the declassified files and when the part of the FBI's whole research into this, because there was a huge investigation into Roswell. The government did make a point to really look into it. I mean, we have people like Ronald Reagan, for instance, who believed in UFOs because he saw one. And you have people like Nixon who use the FBI to try and like flush out some things that were happening with that world, which we've talked about in the Men in Black episode before as well, where mm -hmm. he had sent legitimate people to uh, the one guy's house. Cannot remember his name. The UFO guy. Yeah. Um, Bender. Bender. Sent them to Bender's house, where Nixon had sent government agents to Bender's house. That was just a true thing. He legitimately did do that. Uh, and yeah, so this, this project was basically a spy balloon. It was made of different material, supposedly, and they were kind of just testing to see how it worked. Um, this, what they claim it was, I guess probably what it was, I don't know. It wasn't a, in a, one of those declassified documents. It was declassified in 1994. They say that the device was meant to float over to the USSR and detect sound waves at a stealth distance. So they were just gonna send a balloon with a microphone over to fucking Russia and be like, what you talking about over there? Which doesn't sound like it would work to me. But I mean, it did. I mean, it did in, for the Japanese. They did the same thing to the US. They sent things on an airstream on balloons and bombed a few parks after World War II was over by accident. So, because we talked about that in our Battle of LA episode. So, I mean, that, that <laughs> is something that works. I, balloons and the government are just, they go hand in hand. <laughs> it's like a child's birthday party. So that's what they claim this was, is Project Mogul. And I think we'll, we'll get into that a little more later, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's some stuff that... There's some evidence to show what this could have been. We'll talk about it at the end, but right after we get through some of the last bits here. So part of the thing, obviously, that we've been talking about is that the government covers us up. Like, it happens with everything. But part of the government cover-up here is that supposedly there's a secret, a super-secret special group that Eisenhower specifically used at this time to investigate weird stuff like this. And they're called the Majestic 12, which is like the best name for all of these. Like they released the supposed names of these people. Like they're in the Majestic 12 documents and they're all real people, real like high up officials and like the military and science. And they're just the Majestic 12. Anyway, it's the best. So they're supposedly the people who briefed Eisenhower on all these things that they investigated, including Roswell. They're the people who research these things, um, do the cover-up work, 
tell the public lies, the whole thing. And this documentary filmmaker in like the 80s, at about the time that, that this started blowing up again, claimed that he found rolls of film that showed these Majestic 12 actually like briefing Eisenhower on their investigation and cover-up of Roswell. It was like a couple rolls of film or something. What I never understand with these people is that why wouldn't you just show the film? Like, instead of just talking about it in a documentary, like, why not just... It seems to happen a lot that we hear about things that are evidence for the UFO community like or for evidence. Bigfoot community. Or, like, you know, one of my favorite stories is... I think it was Bigfoot that I read about where some guy was, like... Anyway, some guy was, like, he saw him in a tree and he had a, he had a camera... And he was taking pictures of other things. Then Bigfoot came up and taunted him and roared at him and threw things at him. And he had a camera the whole time. And he's like, I took photos of it, too. And then the documentary that I was watching just cut on to the next thing. It was like, hello. Where are the photos? Excuse me. What did you did he take those out of your house the next day? Where did those go? So it, it does happen. Sometimes. But like he didn't even have an explanation with this film. Like the alien autopsy guy tried to say that it was just deteriorated film and he couldn't play it anymore so he remade it but where's the film of these certain people standing all in a room telling eisenhower that the aliens are scooped up and autopsied and you know we we got rid of the evidence we we released press releases to tell the the world it's fake so the problem with the majestic 12 thing is there's the majestic 12 documents as well which are, like, they look like official government documents. Well, that's what the Majestic 12 even comes from in the first place. Well, yeah. Is the documents were sent not only to a few newspapers, they were sent to local government officials as well, including the FBI. So there were copies of these documents sent all over. And they claim to be from one of the meetings of the Majestic 12, and they include all types of things, like the names of the Majestic 12. Uh, they include the the happenings of that day, the reports on Roswell from the Majestic 12. There's supposedly multiple, because there's, I think it was a Battle of L.A., I think was another one where they talked about there being a UFO in like some short briefing. There were like a lot of presidential briefings. What I saw is just that the documents that were released were, I mean, when I looked it up on the, the only ones the FBI has available for you to read, which they claim are the only ones they ever received, are just a small section of like, I think it was like 30 pages or something like that, which for a government briefing. That's not a lot. It's not very much. Usually a briefing's like hundreds of pages. Yeah, and it did. It was enough, though, to even though the FBI wasn't was very skeptical, it was enough for them to launch a full investigation to try and find the Majestic 12 and to see if they could find other documents on it, including raiding the National Security Council for documents. They raided their archives and they they also raided. I mean, they raided the Air Force archives. They raided literally everything they could to find out what the Majestic 12 might be. So they did believe that there was enough evidence to say that there might be something there. Well, like, they look sort of official, but I think you told me they don't have, like, an official seal on them. Well, that's... Or they don't really have, like, real codes printed on them. Yeah, so they don't... They have, like, just basically top secret stamp down at the bottom. <laughs> that That's literally what, it's, what it is. Like, I mean, I read, the, I read the documents. And I don't know. They don't look the most official. They do... 
but like they don't have any serial numbers, no filing numbers, no where they came from. None of that information's on there. Which usually has to be on everything so they can find it. Again. It should also be noted that the, the FBI still doesn't believe that they were worth anything at all. And uh, not only that, but in the FBI's reporting, they black out their own information. Like when the FBI is writing something out, they'll black out half of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, with the actual documents themselves, all the information on there, not a <laughs> single thing is blacked out. They just Not wrote one bogus and like, and and like wrote, a big black sharpie yeah, across it. Whoever like, did it just wrote bogus across the top of every single page. I don't know if that's something page. people usually do, but it was pretty funny. And th- this is the official government document. I, I got it from the FBI's archives on their website. So it is their official document that someone just wrote bogus on. Mm-hmm. And they didn't black out any of the information. They just didn't believe it. So And for them to not black out something means they definitely do not believe it happened. But that's of their own opinion also. The FBI was not involved in anything that happened. There are only investigators into the case. Well, that kind of goes along with the theory that um, the reason why they were just kind of okay saying the Roswell incident was UFOs was for misdirection, which we talked a lot about at the end of our Men in Black series, is... Just tell them it's a UFO because it's easier for people to say, oh, it was aliens, than for them to start thinking, oh, there's secret government projects that we don't need to know about. And so same thing with the Majestic 12. Maybe they were just like, we'll just release the documents so that we can just be like, yeah, these aren't real and we won't black anything out because then there will be no suspicion. I mean, the documents were mailed anonymously and they definitely didn't come from any government source. They're just like locally mailed. So who knows mm-hmm. where they came from? It's hard to say. Spooky. They also, fun fact, they were not, uh, this is how far the investigation went, the Majestic 12 documents were not on the type of paper that the government used at the time. It was a synthetic form of the type of paper they used at the time, which is an interesting thing. It was some type Remember of like when onion paper. Was paper. A thing? Yeah. When you had to analyze the type of paper used. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Yeah, but that, that's the whole, like, Majestic 12 thing. There is a little bit more. We'll talk about... There's there's more evidence, maybe, to go against the whole Roswell's an alien thing. We'll talk about it at the end. But before we do that, the last thing here is the alternate USSR theory. <laughs> I found this in one thing. This is ridiculously fucked up, and I didn't find it anywhere else. So I think this is more just... I think it was in another magazine thing again that I found on, like, the library archives. <laughs> So basically, the theory here is that Stalin and the USSR, like, upon hearing about the the UFO craze that was cropping up in the United States, so I guess the plan here was that he was going to send a UFO over there to initiate widespread panic. And I guess part of the plan was also to, like, fill their, their radar and reports with UFO sightings so that it would be drowned out with fake reports, you know what I mean? Okay, so this anonymous source that, of course, is an ex-employee in Area 51 said that adolescent children were deformed by the Soviets to resemble aliens and then deployed in an aircraft to fly over New Mexico. And Stalin's plan was for the children to climb out and be mistaken for visitors from Mars. Panic would ensue, and America's early warning radar system would be overwhelmed with sightings of other UFOs. I don't know who this person is that said that. I didn't find that anywhere else. I just thought that was 
but instead it crashed and all the children died and I mean, were carted off to Area 51. Yeah. In theory, would be what happened. I mean, I guess the government would probably also take that kind of shit and not tell anybody about it. But oh, I, during the time where they're trying to spread their own nationalism and patriotism, they would have absolutely said, hey, the Russians sent a bunch of children in a saucer to try and scare us. I know, and right? they crashed it into a field in New Mexico. <laughs> what kind of no, story the go- is that? No, the government would not have hidden that story. They would have absolutely said something about it because that's just like the perfect thing to go against the Russian. Right? Like how evil the are they? At the time. They sent deformed children in a little saucer to crash here. Yeah. I just, I don't understand that one. Because like the full story with that is, look, they were testing nuclear things because we know Russia still actually has a problem with deformed children with nuclear, with some areas that are still heavily radiated. So then the full story would be that they did that, and then they sent them in a kamikaze mission into a field in New Mexico. Well, like, this this, this thing that I read that in, I'll try and find the source again so I can post it. The thing that I read this in said that, basically, if that was really their plan, they failed horribly. Because <laughs> no panic ensued. It didn't really do much, even for Roswell, really. It was just kind of a weird thing that happened. And it didn't really blow up again in the media until basically the 80s. So, well, good I job mean, telling. Again, it stayed in the media for sure. because it's, But mostly local media. I found that in a lot of sources. Yeah, but I mean, it was high enough to go up to the president's too. So at least, in, if nothing else, it was well, in the government's mind. And they weren't secretly researching the case. The, the FBI's research into it, which lasted years, that was all open. And they, they were doing it for a while. So, I mean, if you ever wanted to know that what they were doing, you couldn't see all of it at first. Most people just didn't really look into it. Yeah. Uh, There were other things going on at the time, like Vietnam War and things like that as well, that kind of brought everyone away from it. Kind of going into the the end here, there there is evidence to go against Roswell. Yeah. There are a lot of things to go against Roswell. It doesn't make it not true, like always. It just, it's not definitive evidence to prove everything at Roswell wrong, though it does definitely lean more towards like there are realistic explanations for Roswell. I think I think this might have been another instance of something people found that they weren't supposed to know about because there were a lot of classified projects because I mean, oh that's what I was going to say. Is we had just come out of World War II like a couple years ago, which was probably the worst thing the world the whole world has seen in a long time. And so everyone was paranoid. This was basically the beginning of the Cold War, and so everything was top secret to try and keep information away from the Russians or whoever they were against at the time as well. So, like, a lot of people know about the the project for the the B-52 bombers, the stealth bombers. That was reported as a UFO plenty of times. Yeah, we've already mentioned that on the show multiple yeah. times. Yeah. Because, I mean, that means it did it, it did its job. It didn't show up on radar, which was the point. But it was a huge ship. I mean, you could see it from the sky, just this black triangle up there looking ominous and scary with lights. Yeah, well, there was, um, there was no one checking for radar on that one other than the government. But people were seeing yeah. it from below. But that was classified for a while, even from, like... It started the craze of seeing triangular-shaped objects in the sky using Mm -hmm. three lights because that's what it was using. And So you would see, and I've seen videos that actually people did get back when it was first flying over mm -hmm. them, and no one knew at the time what it was, and those are legitimate videos. I mean, at the time, they were UFOs. Now we know exactly what they are. That's because it's an artificial 
classified project that was declassified just to show you like what it actually was, you know? So yeah. that's that could be something that happened with this because we mentioned Project Mogul earlier and that was a project where they tried to do spy balloons. Right. And <laughs> which I think it's still funny. Project Mogul so it explains why A they would say it's a weather balloon. Mm-hmm. Because they're actually using balloons. But they don't want to tell people we're using a high-tech new balloon with new material. So they're not going to say it's a new type of weather balloon even. With they're just going to say it's a weather balloon and you didn't identify the materials we were using correctly. However, it still sounds to me like if it was a spy balloon, they haphazardly threw a bunch of tape on it mm-hmm. with metal sheets that were made into long squares, three to four feet long, and they just let it go in the air and it'll come down eventually. Yeah. And I that's just, kind of what they did. But like the the thing with that is that it was classified even from the, the military. So like the airbase didn't know anything about the project. It was a highly classified project. Right. That was meant to be completely dark to anybody other than the people that were doing it. So Keep yeah, it I mean anyone outside of Area 51, this was built in Area 51. Uh, this, this is a project that when the sheriff brought it to the Air Force, they weren't lying. They really had no idea what yeah. they were looking at. They were not expecting to see that at all. Yeah. And can we talk about the the material? In, I think it was the Vice documentary, right? They talked to some guy who was a skeptic in, in, in Roswell. Was he in Roswell? No, he wasn't in Roswell. The guy with the material that he crunched up and then... No, I mean, he wasn't in Roswell. He did go to Roswell. Yeah, okay, so they talked to a skeptic who actually had pieces of what the material probably was, and it's polyethylene plastic, right? It's polyethylene. There's a specific term for it, but essentially it's it's metalized polyethylene, and it's... It's just like a sheet of plastic that's so thin that it looks like it could be aluminum foil because it's... It's like shiny and silver on the outside, but it's built in a way where it can't be torn, it can't be dented or broken, and if you crumple it, it does exactly what they said. It just, when you release it, it goes back to flat. For those who don't know what that would look like, uh, a similar type of material is used in those really crinkly balloons you can buy at grocery stores. The metal balloons. The metal looking balloons. That is the same material that this guy is claiming uh, was actually at the Roswell crash. And if you were to cut those and you were to like try and fold them up and let them go, they would just release again back to their original form, whatever form you'd cut them into. Mm -hmm. Uh, You also wouldn't be able to tear it very easily. If you hit it with a hammer, it's going to just dent and then go right back to what it was doing. Well, yeah, because it's not actually metal. Right. It's not going to hold the shape. Yeah, so it looks like metal, but it's just metalized. Uh, And it's extremely lightweight, which is why they use it for balloons. I mean, it's just just balloon material, really. Right, and it makes sense that they would be using that as a new material for their spy balloons that they need to last for a very long time. However, again, it exploded into multiple sheets of squares, of perfectly cut squares. Says that it was probably, it was probably glued and taped together. <laughs> I just, which I don't is, get it. Yeah, but going into Project Mogul even further, we have one of the most important things, which is that UFO crash with the bodies mm-hmm. in the fifties. So part of the reason why this is part of the reason why the government disputes the fact that those bodies were found in nineteen forty-seven 
because they claim this actually came from Project Mogul and that these people, if it did indeed happen, they have no records of it happening, of anybody coming across these bodies. Oh, you're talking about just the body incident. Yeah, just the yeah. body incident uh, on the second crash. <clears throat> the government has no records that any civilians ever came across them, so they claim that that didn't actually happen, but they said that if it did and there just aren't any records of it, then it would have happened in the 50s because they were dropping dummies. They were dropping... As like I have in my notes here, dropping fake anatomically incorrect dummies for funsies. <laughs> Anthropomorphic is what they is the term they use. They they are gray bodies with just improperly rigged limbs, and they're kind of just dropping them to see what happens. That's I mean they really didn't give much of an explanation other than I don't know that one sounds kind of fucking dumb to me. They did do it though. There are records, so like they were legitimately dropping bodies from balloons for nearly no reason. I think they but just wanted to see the survivability or something. Who knows? I saw I saw they like the official one of the official releases on a government on a government site. And they're like full size six foot people sized dummies. Yeah. So then why would they say that they were really small? Like child sized. So first I mean for the big thing here is it depends on if anybody actually even saw them or if this is a made up story. We saw one guy in an interview who was like I knew the guy who told the story and he was a reputable guy. I trust him a lot. It's a small town though. You're going to hear people say things like that. Yeah. So that doesn't that's not evidence to make that well, a like, true story. The reason why I liked unsolved I like unsolved mysteries is that they prefer firsthand accounts right. and real evidence. And even they were like, we can't really say anything about this one because this is secondhand information. But he seems to believe in his story. So. Well, yeah, he, he definitely seems to believe it. They like put him in there, but they weren't like, this probably definitely happened. Because yeah, it's just a dude who was like, my friend said so. And there also, there's not any reports from the supposed other people that also showed up before the military did. Mm-hmm. Only from one dude. No, which, I know. And it's like. So, Part of the story was that a whole group of students showed up. Yeah, to this. which makes me think that that's not necessarily true. Again, there's always there's always some inkling of truth. I think he did. I think there's a good chance that that guy did stumble upon the dummies. I think the timeline matches up. the The government's dropping what look like bodies from balloons. They're dropping them onto the ground around New Mexico for whatever the reason. Again, for funsies, most likely. Uh, and. They are legitimately doing that, and this guy stumbles across it, and he probably stumbles across the wreckage of one of their spy balloons or something like that. I think witness accounts are often unreliable in the sense of size of the objects they find and the actual shape of the objects as well, though he does describe the heads as being like bulbous in shape. And that could also be explained if you've ever seen dummies dropped from high heights, a lot of times their heads bust open. I've seen this enough on Mythbusters alone. Like when they drop them, their heads will kind of crack at the at the back. They won't explode, but they'll crack. So if you have a dummy laying like that and that's the only one he actually sees, he's also going to assume that they all look the same, which a lot of times happens in witness accounts too. But I want to know why they're just chucking dummies out of a balloon or an airplane or I whatever. I do want to know why they were doing that. Those have actually been released, those documents. So I guess we could go read why <laughs> they were doing that. Uh who reads government documents? This is a conspiracy show. Yeah. But it, it's just, it's one of those cases where most likely he did see it. But like in our Mothman episode, almost a year ago now, long time ago, uh, witness accounts are not accurate. No, a and lot like of times. the thing with this time too that we've mentioned 
is that this was the start of the UFO craze. This was the start of the alien mess that happened around this time. In the U.S., yeah. Yeah. It had already been going on in the U.K., actually. So this... I'm not sure how much in the in the 40s and 50s this sparked this, but you know this kind of sparked a lot of fake things like oh I saw a UFO because I just want to get on it, get in on it, and I think a lot of things said the same thing when the Roswell story blew up in the in the 80s again, is a lot of people came out as fake witnesses yeah. and with fake testimonies, and oh I knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody who. High five one of the aliens getting out of the ship. So like it's this is another one of those that's been muddled with a lot of crap. And also we we've mentioned too that the timeline is really muddy and it's hard to tell where things happen. A lot of times people blend the the shrapnel with the alien bodies incident. But the guy on the farm never saw any alien bodies. That's a completely different thing. It's part of the craze that I think well, yeah, this hard I still, to believe. <laughs> I still think, I mean, everything I've ever read and everything I read for this did say that it was well known in the public eye that the Roswell crash happened. I mean, it inspired things like Plan 9 from Outer Space, too. Mm-hmm. So it, it inspired a lot of movies, which that came out in, what, 1959, 69? Plan 9? Yeah. Pretty sure it was 59. Long time ago. I, I think it was 59. Uh, if you ever want to know, go watch our other podcast, Attack the 50 Foot Podcast. Bless. You don't watch. Yeah, whatever. That's watch weird. it with your ears. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so like everything I've ever seen, this was very much well known. It just wasn't something everybody cared about because you believing in aliens at that time made you a loony bin. So yeah, it like, wasn't so well accepted. Normal. I think the difference is that in the 80s, it was more accepted to be okay with these types of it things. It was definitely part of pop culture. I mean, well, it had become a huge part the of the late pop 80s or maybe the early 90s is when Roswell started doing their alien celebration every year. Yeah. And now that whole town is just like the Air Force Base isn't there anymore. So their whole economy is just alien museums and merch and right. the story of the Roswell incident. Yeah. Which then inflates it even more, obviously. So to, to end off our evidence here, there is one thing about, we talked about the Majestic 12, and as I said, the FBI, when they were rating documents looking for this, they rated the National Security Council. And what they found in some of the high-end, top-secret, filed away for nobody's eyes to see files, is they found one Majestic 12 page. Maybe. Definitely. They found well, a Majestic 12 page, 100%. The code just has MJ12 in it. In a U.S. filing cabinet for top secret things. However, the filing cabinet it's in, it doesn't have a serial number for it, even though that filing cabinet has specific serial numbers. It doesn't contain any identifying markings for the government at the time. No stamps, no emblems, no anything and it's just this one lone page. However, this is not just a filing cabinet you can go drop a page into. No, there was like so two people, right, who during, had access to this. At the time, so when they looked up the schedules, they claimed that the page doesn't make any sense because when they look up the schedules, Eisenhower was supposed to be at a meeting is what that page claims. And that day that he was supposed to be in a meeting, he was supposedly in another country when they looked up his schedule. Though he was visiting a 
varied array of military bases, supposedly, mm. for security checks, which is what his schedule says. The president? Yes, which is a little odd. It's a little weird that he happened to be doing that right then, right when that document says. And the other person it mentions, he was also out of state at the time where the meeting was supposed to happen. He was not there. He was also doing some type of weird check on another military base. So what you have left are there were two assistants uh, who were left in charge of the office, basically, which kept those records at the time. They would have been the ones, the only people who could have put the page in that filing cabinet, basically. Hmm. So it's hard to say that that's not a legitimate government document. And the FBI never said it's not a legitimate document. They, The other MJ documents they claim are bogus, literally. Like, but quoted. Like- they claim is bogus. The one inside their own, like, filing cabinets is, like, really suspicious. Yeah. And Especially with, like, the kind of clearance you would need to put it in such a, like, high, top-secret kind of place that it was in, right? Yeah, and they questioned the Air Force and they questioned the NSC, and they found nothing. That what? He, everyone just claimed that there was, that there's no record of a Majestic 12 other than that one document. Well, like, what did you say says, the code said? It didn't even say Majestic 12. This it was MJ-12 or MJ or something like that. It was like a code with like two letters and then MJ and then dash 12. Yeah, I don't remember what the code was. But like it, that's the only reference anywhere to anything with that code in it. And yeah. the closest thing to MJ-12. And what was on the document? It just... That's what I was saying. Is It was a meeting that President Eisenhower oh, yeah. was supposed to have with MJ-12. But it wasn't even really, like, and it that lists, descriptive. It lists that he's supposed to be briefed by MJ-12. That's the weird thing about it. Mm. So it was like a meeting. Record. It was some type of briefing. So it's not even a meeting. I mean, he's being briefed on something, which does line up with the, MJ, with the MJ-12 documents. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, weird thing, but if that's real, then there literally is one that says that Roswell is real. At some point, there was something that happened in the government where the president, whether he was or not, was supposed to be debriefed about something from a unlisted source other than just MJ-12 with numbers in front of it. Mm-hmm. So who knows what that actually was at the end of the day, but there is a little bit of legitimacy because of it. And I'm sure that's an irritating thing for the FBI. It seemed like it was an irritating <laughs> thing just reading through their information on the documents. I love the bogus thing. I'll, we should post pictures of the Yeah, I mean, we could just post a link to the documents, too, because they're pretty easy just to scroll through and just see. It's, it's not even a stamp. It's some asshole with a Sharpie who just literally wrote bogus staggering across the page. Well, and if you read the document, so it's actually a report on the documents that includes the documents and some of the FBI's own writings. And all of the FBI's own writings, like, they'll mention something blacked out, blacked out, blacked out, blacked out, blacked out. And then you get to the documents that they were sent, the supposed MJ-12 documents, and nothing, not a single thing in those documents is blacked out. They just legitimately do not believe it ever happened. Mm-hmm. They don't think it's a real thing. And to prove that to you, I mean, there are real names in that document, real people who actually were in the military at that people. time. 12 real named majors and se- uh, the secretary at the time and uh, several, uh, several generals. There are a lot of people named and... Technically, there's actually 13 people named in all because there is the Majestic 12 and one of the Majestic 12 had supposedly died around that time, which is listed in the document, and they listed a replacement as well. So there's 13 names that are all real that they the FBI didn't even feel the need to black out. Oh, that's so, another thing that I saw with the Majestic 12 is one of the people who is a real person 
He is an avid UFO denier. He's written three books. I forget which one it was. He's written three books against aliens and UFOs and all that kind of thing. He is very outspoken about he doesn't believe in any of that crap. So that's interesting, too. Yeah, though that could just be a red herring. It's his cover. Could just be a red herring. Um, But yeah, that's everything, though, for Roswell. Yeah, not a lot actually really happened with the incident itself. It's just the no. I mean, the big, the biggest things are just the they claimed it was a weather. They claimed that it was you know not of their origin, if nothing else, and then they claim it's a weather balloon that they made, and then they threaten people to not talk about it. That is something that did legitimately happen. Yeah. But but I mean, if it's a classified project, is classified that Project Mogul specifically was, then that could be a thing. Since it was literally a spy project on the USSR. Well, and here's one thing, actually, I did forget to mention that I wanted to. So the people that threatened the witnesses, I don't think people think about this enough. They were the Roswell Air Force officials who, as we mentioned, knew nothing. Mm-hmm. They actually, so when they were threatening people so in Roswell, just told, were told they to had threaten. no idea. I don't even think they were told to threaten. What I read is that one of the FBI agents said that what they did find is that a lot of the Air Force officials from Roswell had believed that it was Russian in origin, that the crashed balloon was actually Russian. Oh. So they told people not to talk about it, he thinks, because he didn't want this secret information getting out. Mm-hmm. But... He thought that they that there there were multiple officials who thought that they were being attacked by Russia, who actually have documented reports saying they believe it's Russian in origin. And then later they're going to find out you don't get to know what it is because you're not a part of the project. It's not Russian. It's ours. You're going to be quiet now. So that's yeah. what they did. So these witnesses that were threatened and some of them, you know, they still feel the effects of it, like to this day when they're interviewed, because it's a scary thing to be threatened by a government official, especially one lady claimed that she was threatened to be killed by one official. And, you know, like, even if they did threaten them, the truth is, is those Air Force officials, they had no idea what was going on. So they knew just as much as the townspeople. Yeah. That's <laughs> just true. Funny. Yeah. They knew as much as Mac Brazel did. In theory. That's that's one of the theories. Again, there are I mean, still people that say... I mean, they knew that they had say, never seen said material before. That was about it. Yeah. I mean, there are still people that say it's all bullshit, though, and that the government, the Air Force found, like, those alien bodies, and they contacted Area 51, and then took them, and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And people can say that. However, there is evidence to go against that, and that's kind of what we found. I was actually a little... Because I've always loved Roswell. Uh, not the place I've been. Don't go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but do go. Do go. Do go. It's... Don't go with high hopes. Go knowing that this is a tiny town in the middle of sand and it has one McDonald's with a UFO shape to it and it has two museums. I thought that was in Vegas. Maybe. I think the UFO McDonald's is near Vegas. I've seen it and I wasn't in Vegas, so. It's on the extraterrestrial highway. Maybe. There's probably two. I'm sure there's more than one. (laughs) Anyway. You, it's not far from this town because I've seen it and it's just it's just a UFO shape of a building. But there are two museums. One is a legitimate museum with some extraterrestrial theories, but it also talks about some astronauts and stuff like that. It has nothing to do with Roswell. And the other one is uh, a plastic alien body rave party with multiple oh, yeah. rooms. And one of the rooms, if you stand in it and you take a picture, it looks like you're upside down and you're walking on the ceiling. So that's fun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Go to Roswell if you want. Make sure it's a side stop and it's not your destination. That's what I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah. tell us what you think about Roswell. Um, 
do your own research. Do you do you think that there was really alien bodies or that the government is weirdly throwing dummies out of an airplane for fun? Yeah, give us your theories. Yeah, tell us if you've been, uh, tell us if you found any of the remaining remnants of that crashed balloon out there. there that well, would, 70 have been a years ago? Balloon. 70 years 80. ago, 80 years ago. Well, the government did say, they did also release an official report that there are still pieces of it out there, most likely. So, because they weren't able to collect all of it because it just, so most likely a lot of people, even the skeptics, believe that there's still pieces of it out there. I don't know, man. So... It's probably blown away with the wind. It's probably just buried in the sands. Go take a shovel and dig in someone's ranch. Uh, <laughs> don't do that. I did not tell you to do that. And I am not. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. You we can follow us on. Media. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Um, please do. You can email us your conspiracy ideas. If you'd like us to do a certain topic, we have an email. It's conspiracywhat at gmail.com. Yeah. Leave us reviews. I don't really care if they're good or bad, but it'd be nice if they were good. Um, I mean, I care if they're good or bad, but... I just want to see reviews. But you can put a review. Don't, like, just put up a good review because that's what we want. Or do. <laughs> I don't care. This is very misleading. I'm not going to judge you on it. I'm just trying to be confusing. I mean, then maybe they'll just put up a good review anyway. Uh, um, yeah, anyway. Thank tell you. us your UFO stories. Anyway, this has been the Roswell incident and some other things. And if this is your first time listening... Go back and listen to our other episodes, please, and tell us what you think about those as well. Get ready for next month. We're doing oh, some yeah. creepy shit for Halloween, too. Get ready for Horror Month, because there are a lot of fun horror conspiracies, and some of my favorite conspiracies are of the horror variety. <laughs> It'll be so fun. So keep an eye out for October, because it's the horror extravaganza month. Anyway, I am Allie. I'm Cameron. Thanks for listening. Have a good, good one day. Stay stitches. Stay stitches. Forever. Whoop, 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 whoop. That's an alien spaceship landing. Ah!